I'm Jessica Randolph, and welcome to the How to Buy a House podcast, where we empower you to invest in real estate and start building wealth for yourself. It's the biggest purchase of your life, and we're going to teach you how to do it right. What's up, friend? Today, we are going to break down the pre-approval process for you with my all-time favorite lender on the planet, Clint Haynes. Clint and I have been working together for the last six years without any hiccups, and for those of you that know real estate, you know that that's extremely rare. He's not only an expert on what he does, but he's also one of the most down-to-earth, genuine people I've met in the industry, and I cannot wait for you to get to meet him today as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. Clint, hi, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. This is so fun that we're doing a real podcast because normally we teach class together, but now we're like teaching class to anybody that's listening. So it's so fun. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of through the pandemic when we would do some of the virtual classes and uh, we wouldn't be in the same room a little bit like this. Yeah, but this is fun. This is great. Okay, listener, thank you so much for joining us on this episode today. Clint Haynes is my absolute favorite lender in the entire state of Tennessee, which is why he's obviously on this podcast because he's my total favorite. But he's also just an incredible guy, great dad, and a genius real estate investor. And so you are going to get to hear from the best of the best today. And I'm so, so grateful that he said yes to being on the podcast. So Clint, um, before we get into our topic, which today I think we should really just break down the pre-approval process for everybody that is listening to make it super easy to digest. And maybe in some later episodes, we can talk more in depth about, I don't know, different loan types or cash out refis or refinancing. But today I really want to appeal to our listener who maybe has never started the pre-approval process or has never even talked to a lender on the phone. Maybe they don't even know what a lender is. I want to just like get back to the basics today. So how do you feel about that? I love it. Let's do it. Okay. Awesome. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into, you know, where you're at now at Mount Julia and like, give us a little background on you. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been lending, I've been in lending for almost 18 years. I started in 2005, straight out of college. Uh, My brother was in Nashville. He was a lender. And uh, as I was graduating, he said, why don't you come and do this? And I interviewed, which really wasn't even an interview process. It was kind of a, if you want to do this, we'll you know get you a computer and you can start when you graduate. It was actually July of 2005. I moved to Nashville, started doing loans, and uh, the lending environment was in very, very different back then. That was where the subprime days, the saying back then was if you could fog a mirror or if you, you had a pulse, you could get a loan, you could get some type of loan. And uh, the, the crash happened shortly after that in 2006, 7, 8, 9. And the mortgage process became more difficult. It was harder to get a loan, which turned out to be a really good thing. Uh, not everybody should qualify to be able to buy a house. There are some some requirements that need to be met. So yeah, I've been been doing it for a while and I love doing mortgages. I love getting to work with people and help them. I don't care if it's their first house or their last house, uh, just that process of walking them through you know, the entire length of the process because there's a lot that goes into it. I love it. Well, and you're so good at it. And your team, I mean, tell us maybe a little bit about your structure because I know you have more more support maybe than some lenders do. And I know you guys, you know, take a lot of your pre-approvals into underwriting right away. Can you give us a little background into your support? Because I think that's one of the things that to me like stands out so much about your team. So I have an awesome team. I feel like I have the best team imaginable. And the reason that I built a team was because when you're just by yourself doing loans, you're really, really good. 
uh, when you're maybe not all that busy or just kind of busy. Uh, but if you're really good, then you're going to get busy. You're going to get a lot of referrals and you're going to get contracts. Uh, and then it becomes a very challenging to stay really, really good because you're not only working with people that are trying to get pre-approved, you also have to keep them pre-approved. When they get under contract, you have to take them from that point through closing all the while trying to get new people pre-approved. So uh, as I began hiring great people, what I realized was it didn't matter how busy we were. We're actually, the busier we get, the better we are, the better the experience, because uh, each person on the team has a specific job that they do. And that's all that they do. And they're really, really good at it. They're an expert at it. So my team captain, her name is Rachel, and uh, she's been in the loan business for over 25 years. Her job is to uh, help fully pre-approve the client's and she does a lot of the consultations, walking uh, you through or the client through the, the process from really step one all the way until you go under contract. Uh, and then I've got a, a couple of pre-approval managers or loan partners that also help uh, in the pre-approval process. So uh, when a referral comes in, our main objective is let's take that application as quickly as possible because speed is the name of the game. People do not want to wait. They do not want to get a voicemail. Uh, they do not want to have to go online and, and figure out who to talk to or where to go. What they want is a live person on the phone who's an expert who can gather all the information and set an appointment. So I think the team has allowed us to have a very consistent process every single time for every single client. Uh, and it's also made us really, really fast. We can pre-approve someone in you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we can close loans in as little as two weeks. So it's really sped up our entire process. And that's elevated the service as well to to keep really happy realtors, referral partners, and clients. Yeah. Well, and I am a product of that. And I can tell you that Clint's team is hands down the best team I've ever worked with. And I know, obviously, if you're in Tennessee, you can absolutely use Clint's team. But you also do loans for people that aren't in Tennessee as well, right? Yeah, we are licensed in... 48 states, I believe. I know New York we cannot do, and I'm pretty sure Hawaii is not a state that we're licensed in, but we can help in in pretty much every other state. Amazing. So if you guys want to use Clint, hello. You now have a introduction to one of the best lenders in the U.S., so I love it. Well, let's go ahead and get into the topic today, which is how do I get pre-approved? What does that process look like? What do I need? Um, and then I know we've we talked about this actually in another podcast episode, but I want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, Clint. Like when someone comes into your office, what does that process look like? And especially for people who've never done it before, I think it could be so intimidating to just pick up the phone and call a lender. I mean, I have no idea if I'm even ready, you know, to go start training for something else. I mean, it's like you don't really know when you're ready for something. And I think that's the biggest question mark people have is like, well, how do I know when I'm ready? And 100% the first step I always tell people is to go ahead and get started, talk to a lender and start that pre-approval process, but it can be intimidating. So I want to like dial it back a little bit and let's just talk about what that looks like from your end of things and what that process is like. And um, we can dive in a little bit from there. Yeah. So I think the number one emotion that goes into to buying a home is fear. When you're doing something you've never done before, or even if you've done it, but it's been a little while or you're spending more money than you've ever spent, there's got to be some some healthy fear that goes along with that. So to me, you want to use someone that you have been referred to. So typically your realtor is going to refer you to a, a lender that they trust. Uh, and what we want to do is have a conversation right off the bat. A lot of lenders will send you to a website and let you fill out your own application. We want to have a conversation because it allows us to build rapport and trust, which makes the rest of the process go more smoothly for the client because when you speak to someone, you start to build a relationship. And then that relationship is going to stay 
with us and with the client throughout the entire process, which I think that allows them to make faster decisions and better decisions when they feel comfortable with who they're working with. Uh, and if you're not sure who the person is, or every time you 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 call in, you're you're going through a one eight hundred number uh, to get to a new person, and and they don't know who you are. That, that makes the trust deteriorate. So that's not what we want to have. We want to start by taking a conversation, uh, getting all the information right up front. So the basics of the loan process, where do you work? And how long have you been there? What's your income? Where do you live? Do you rent? Do you own? How long have you been there? Uh, and then some of your personal information as far as what's your date of birth, your email address, your social, uh, because a credit review is, re- is required. And those are the things that we need to be able to, to pull credit. From there, what we do is send a needs list, which is the documents that are required to be able to get you fully pre-approved. So typically that's going to be a month of pay stubs, your bank statements, your asset statements, your W-2s, driver's license, your tax returns, things like that. And what we do is review those to get a full pre-approval letter out to the realtor so that that person knows that they're ready to, to shop for a home. The next step in our process, at least, is we have a consultation where we used to do all of these in person or at least 80, 85 percent. Uh, after the pandemic, what we realized is, is people are more than happy to do a Zoom call or do a phone call. But we take about 30 minutes or so to go through the goals, to go through the process, to go through the the numbers uh, and every all, all of the details about the pre-approval, so that that client has all of their questions answered at one time and they're fully confident and ready to go out and search for a home. And we can talk more about that consultation if you want to, or we can save it for a little later. Yeah. I think people want to know, like, what is that like to come into your office and and get pre-approved? Is it intimidating? Does it cost money? Like, let's go over what that's like when, when you sit down with someone who's just getting started. Yeah. So number one, it's, it's 100% free to get pre-approved. I think a lot of people don't know that. And that may be one of the fears that hold them back, but uh, it does not cost you anything to get pre-approved. And it's not uh, all of that difficult, right? You do have to carve out a little bit of time and you've got to get some documentation together if you want a real pre-approval. But the first thing that we do is after building rapport and trust is, is we want to go through the goals that the client has and, and mainly on a monthly basis, what is the most you feel comfortable spending? Because there's a difference between what someone can qualify for and maybe what they should spend on a monthly basis. So giving the best advice possible means identifying, okay, what's your budget look like? Not just what we think you can afford, but what do you think you can afford? Uh, And then what's the down payment look like? How much can you bring to the table? No money down loans do exist. Uh, 3%, 3 3.5%. There are a lot of different options, but bringing all the money you have saved is not always the best option. So we want to get an idea of what's the most you can spend monthly comfortably, what's the most you feel like you can bring to the table. Maybe that's a gift from a family member. So we walk through those options. Uh, And then what's your timeline for wanting to buy? Uh, what area are you looking? Because some loans are uh, area specific. So some people may qualify for a loan that uh, a specific area has available. Uh, And then we also just kind of want to go through like, what do you think you can afford as far as purchase price is concerned? But we always work backwards into the purchase price because your down payment and your monthly payment, most of the time it'll determine here's your max pre-approval amount. Uh, that you really need to be looking at a certain price point, and then let's let's go down from there because spending less is always ideal if you can find something that that's perfect 
for less. Yeah. And I'm so glad you guys do it that way because I've had clients that they're like, we got pre-approved for $750. Actually, this just recently happened. But when I was with them at the showing, they're like, well, actually, when we were looking at our payment, what we spend per month, we really would like to be closer to like $350 or $400. And I'm like, that's a huge difference. And I'm so glad I didn't start sending them houses right at that top of their budget because of course they would have liked the $750,000 house more than the $400,000 house. Um, and I think that's so crucial. And I feel like a lot of lenders don't do that. And so I always appreciate that you guys really ask them, like, what do you feel comfortable spending? Cause they know their finances better truly than, than what you can read about them on paper. So I appreciate that. And I think it helps them with proper expectations because like you said, once you go see a home, that's two or $300,000 more than what you're going to inevitably spend. You can't unsee that house. You can't forget how nice it was or how much you love the area. Uh, but when you set proper expectations on the front end, it tends to, again, help them the rest of the process. And uh, so I think it's really critical. And what I found is a lot of times the uh, husband and wife, or if there's two people that are going to be on the loan, maybe they're not on the same page about what they're willing to spend monthly. So having that conversation with both on the phone, um, what you find is each partner can kind of work out like, wait, how much are we willing to spend? And let's get on the same page here. That is not a fun place to be either, where where you've got one uh, one person on the loan that wants to make an offer, and then the other person is saying, "No, we don't qual like we may qualify, but this is way more than we can actually afford." You can get that out of the way before you ever start seeing homes, which is a much better time to get on the same page than when one of you wants to buy it and the other one is saying we can't afford it. I remember I had a client that they we were looking at like one point two million dollar houses, and I was like, "Let's go! That sounds great." And the wife called me and she's like, "Jessica, don't show my husband a single house." because we can't afford that. I don't know what he's thinking. And I had two different conversations. The husband's calling me like, let's go check out this one on Shelby. And then the wife's calling me and she's like, don't listen to him. And would, wouldn't you know they're not together anymore? And I'm not saying that that's the sign, but if your husband is trying to buy a house without your permission, maybe you guys need to dial back a little bit and, and talk to a you know marriage counselor or something like that. Yeah, maybe not a, a realtor, but a marriage counselor. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel like we also are marriage counselors, you know, in dealing with these people um, and we can offer support, but 100%, like you need to be on the same page for sure. Yeah. And, and it can work the other way. Like I've had a lot of times where clients think we really need to stay at three to three fifty, and then when we show them the actual numbers and what the payment will be, or that their down payments is is, is going to be much less than what they expected, they're like, oh, okay, we can go up a little bit more. We can go up another hundred thousand dollars because they just assumed their payment was going to be higher than it actually was because they were assuming they had no real hard numbers to go off of. They were just uh, kind of making a guess. And and again. That is not where you want to be when you're buying a home. And I think it's also very hard to pull the trigger if you are making a guess. If you haven't gone through the whole process and you're, uh, you know, not, you can't be confident. And if you're not confident, it's very hard to move forward. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's say someone comes in, they get pre-approved, you know, you talk through their goals. What are some things, you know, that come up, like common fears I'm sure that they have? Um, and I know we talk about this in class, but I love, there's a lot of fear behind, okay, maybe I got pre-approved, but, you know, I don't really understand, like signing my life away for the next 30 years feels scary. Um, what are some fears that you see during those appointments? And um, let's see if we can debunk some of them today. Yeah, I think one of the big fears people have is, does my credit have to be perfect to be able to buy? And the answer is absolutely not. Uh, the You do want 
your credit score to be as high as possible, but you don't have to have perfect credit for your entire life to be able to buy a home. We can go down as low as a 580 credit score to still do uh, as low as three and a half percent down for somebody buying their, uh, buying a home. So you don't have to have perfect credit, but sometimes there are things you can do to maybe get your credit scores to go up a little bit. So we can help people with that, those types of things. Uh, another one is 20% down. I just don't have enough down payment. I need 20% to be able to buy a home and, you know, for a four or $500,000 house, which is not that expensive in Nashville anymore. You know, you're talking 80 to a hundred thousand dollars in down payment. I don't know a lot of first time home buyers that have that much money saved that, that, that I didn't have that much money when I bought my first home. So once you uh, can walk them through the process and show them what a 3% down loan looks like, or if they qualify for no money down, again, it starts to shine light on what's, what their reality is and not just what their assumptions are. And a lot of fears come up while we're walking them through the process of, well, what if the home's not worth it? And we explain to them how the appraisal process works. And what the appraisal does is it determines if uh, the home that you're buying, what is the actual value compared to other homes in the area that have sold recently? In the last six months, what other homes that are similar have sold and what did they sell for? And that determines what your appraised value is. Um, another thing is, well, what if the home has problems and I don't know about it? So we're able to explain a, a little bit about the home inspection and then defer that back to the realtor to explain again, because that is something that the, the realtor will typically go over in more detail and, and clarify. But we're able to give them confidence that like there is something already in place for that. Uh, and I think one of the biggest fears is just what if we can't afford it? Like what if we bite off more than we can chew? And that's where we are able to explain all the documentation that we have to get, the process that we go through to pre-approve them, because the lender does not want to lend you more money than you can qualify for. That is the whole reason lenders exist and, and the underwriting process exists the way it, that it does is to keep people from overextending themselves and, and having too much risk when they buy. So I think just getting all of that information, being able to voice their concerns, getting answers, feeling comfortable and confident that the person answering them knows what they're doing and, and giving them confidence that, okay, this is a great decision. This is the right time. Uh, and it's not the right time for everyone. And sometimes they realize we're still six months out and then they can leave that appointment with confidence, knowing that six months from now, we're going to be at a place where we can do this and move forward with that confidence that we need. And I think for anybody listening, like I, Clint just touched on so much value. Like he brings so much value to the table for every single one of our buyers, but you're not going to get that at some sort of, you know, I'm not going to say quick and loans, but I did. And, you know, or rocket mortgage of getting in line and, you know, getting pre-approved. Like there's so much emotional support that comes along with really trusting your lender and having a really great relationship with your lender that can help protect you for years to come of, you know, that first initial consultation and, and really guiding you through that process. And so I think that's why it's so important to not only use somebody that you trust and have a good connection with, but someone who is locally recognized as someone that has a great reputation um, and that and that knows the area and really can understand your needs sometimes better than you might understand them yourself. Um, and that's the power of using such a great lender. And we always talk about, you know, making sure you're using a great realtor, but I think the lender relationship is it equally is important. And I know Clint would agree with me on that for sure. And I think if you trust your realtor, they're going to point you to a lender that they trust that, that 99% of the time you can trust as well. Your realtor uses a lender that they trust because they, they know how important it is for the process to go smoothly. So I always look for a referral. If I'm, it really, it doesn't matter what I'm doing going on vacation 
will my wife and I'll ask, you know, about a location or a, a, a different hotel or somewhere we should go to eat. Uh, while we're there, we're asking people that we trust to point us in the right direction. Um, asking your realtor, who do you trust to get a loan is so important because they're going to point you in the best direction that they know possible. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about different loan types. Cause I know some people come to class and they're like, I've heard about first time home buyer loans. I've heard about, um, you know, USDA approved loans. Like what are some loan types for the first time home buyer that you're seeing right now on the market? Yeah. So in Tennessee, we have a, uh, a, a THDA loan, which is for first time home buyers. It, Actually, we'll give you money for your down payment and a little bit of money for your closing costs as well. You, it is a little bit harder to qualify for. Your credit scores have to be a little higher than some other loan types, and they limit how much money your household could make. So you can basically make too much money. They don't want to just give these loans out to anyone. They want to make sure that you don't exceed the income limits, which is determined by how many people are in your household and where you're buying. But it's a great loan option for the right person, and a, a good lender in Tennessee is going to look at that as an option. Uh, and then you really kind of start looking at 3% down. We uh, we have multiple options for 3% down. 3.5% down is kind of where FHA starts, uh, which FHA is a government loan. Uh, and then from there, you look at, say, 5% down, 10%. Uh, but as far as loan types are concerned, you basically got your conventional loans, which is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Uh, and then you've got your government loans, which would be FHA, USDA, which is rural housing. It is for someone who's buying a home outside of the urban areas. So every state is going to be mapped out or zoned, and they're going to have rural areas where those types of loans qualify. And then you've got VA, which is for veterans. If you've served in the military, uh, that is very possibly going to be the best option for you. And again, most lenders are going to have availability to all the conventional and government loans available. And then jumbo loans are loans that exceed the conventional loan limits. So again, all lenders are going to look at all those options. A good lender is going to look at all of those options and help place you in the best loan or give you a couple of options to choose from and point you to the one that's going to be best suited for your situation. I always say you cannot pre-approve someone or give them the best options without doing all of the homework to find out exactly what their situation looks like. A good lender doesn't want to take a guess or cross their fingers that they're giving out the appropriate advice. They want to do all the work and then give the advice that is 100% accurate and best. I never want to tell somebody, you should do a fill-in-the-blank loan without having all of their information because it might not be the best option for them or there may be some other things that are better if I can just get all the information and review it. Yeah, so good. And when you get somebody pre-approved, I mean, obviously people are considering what they need to have in their bank account at that time. And if they don't have it, you know, this goal setting meeting is super important because they're like, okay, I need to have this much saved. And then once I've got that saved, I can do this. And I can really kind of like come up with like a financial game plan. But let's say, you know, they're trying to figure out like how much they really need in their bank account to buy a house. I feel like that for me was a huge question mark when we were buying, like, what on average are you seeing for the first time home buyer in terms of their down payment and then also closing costs? A lot of people are like, what are closing costs? Um, so let's talk about that a little bit and then anything extra. Um, cause obviously the last thing we want, and I know we talk about this a lot in class is we don't want our clients to buy a house and then be house poor and they don't have money left over to buy a couch for their new living room, or they don't have money to replace the air conditioning unit because they didn't get that 
you know, fixed by the seller when they bought this older house. So what, you know, in terms of the down payment and, and the closing costs needed and your earnest money deposit, like what are you looking at for a first time home buyer on average? So let's start with closing costs. Closing costs right now, it, I've, I'm seeing, I feel like it varies more right now than I've ever seen it in 18 years where one client, their closing costs may be only two or two and a half percent of the purchase price. Uh, and then another client, it may be higher, say three or three and a half percent. And it varies because there are so many factors that go into determining what exactly it will be. So the, honestly, the best thing you can do is when you get pre-approved, the lender is going to go through and look at and give you an idea of what your closing costs will be. It's usually going to be a percentage. But then when you go to make an offer on a home, what we can do is, is pull up the property, see what the taxes are, estimate your homeowner's insurance, figure out if there's anything else that needs to be calculated in like flood insurance or an HOA. And then we will dial in what your closing costs will be and usually get it within a couple hundred dollars. But that's impossible to do without having all of the information of the client and the property address. Because, you know, wh where we are in Middle Tennessee, you may be in Wilson County where your taxes are $1,500, $1,600 for the year. Or you may be in Nashville where the taxes are four or $5,000 for the year. Well, your closing costs are going to be very different based off of a property in each of those those markets. So you, what you really want to do is is dial it in when you find a specific property and maybe before you make the offer. Uh, as far as savings is concerned, a big part of this is going to be your, I guess, risk tolerance or just uh, how comfortable are you with having a little bit or no money left over in the bank. I've had clients buy before and literally they're like emptying their bank account to buy and they're comfortable with that. It makes me a little uncomfortable for them to do that. But I think having a couple of months of reserves. So a reserve would be however much money it costs you to live on a monthly basis. Let's just say that's $1,000. Well, having two or $3,000 left over in your bank account after everything is all said and done, after you've closed on the house and moved in, uh, because if something comes up or you know you have to replace the tires on your car or whatever happens because life happens, you want to be able to spend that money on those things and then over the next few months work on putting that money back in the bank. So I think having at least two or three months of reserves uh, is great. I never suggest somebody empty their bank account to buy a home because I just, to me, that seems, that's a very scary thing. It seems very risky. So true. Maybe we could talk about, you know, gifts from a family member. Cause I think maybe if someone's listening to this podcast for a while, they're like, I know I want to buy a house. I know I want to do it as soon as possible, but I'm just not quite there yet. Clint, what are some other options? Cause I know you've been very creative in the past, you know, what, what are some creative ways to, to try and increase their viability, I guess? So just recently, uh, there was a change made where real, a realtor can actually use their commission to help uh, pay for their down payment, which that is new. And um, I'm assuming most, some people listening to this may be realtors, but I would assume most aren't. So that wouldn't be an option. But um, a gift from a family member is a great option. It's not something a lot of people think of. It is it does have to be documented so that it is a family member and where that money is coming from. But the more time you have before, when you start thinking about buying and buying, the more time gives that it, uh, gives you more time to figure out, okay, can I save money? Can I get a gift from a family member? Do I have a 401k or an IRA or something like that that I can tap into? Uh, if you have a financial planner, talking to a trusted money professional to, to get the details on what, what does that exactly look like? If I pull money out of my 401k, what's the tax liability going to be on that? Is there going to be any tax implications? You just have to kind of walk through those 
uh, options. And again, it's going to be very specific to your situation because I've talked to clients before and, and asked them if you know a gift from family is an option and it's a quick no. And then I've had a ton of people over the years say, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. You mean a, my grandma can give me, like she would love to give me 10 grand for down payment, which what a great grandma to have, right? But it happens more frequently than you would think. But most people just don't know that it's even an option. There aren't a lot of super, super creative ways anymore. You can't have cash. You can't just, we call it mattress money or, or money at home that you've been saving uh, you know, in a, in a safe or something like that. We have to document where that money for down payment is coming from. So it has to be sourced and seasoned. We got to prove it, that it's yours, how long you've had it, and where it came from. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, Clint. I know we talk about this in class, but I would love to also, you know, give it to our listener today, but give us the 10 commandments of things not to do once you get pre-approved, because I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I've got the golden ticket. Everything's perfect. But just because you got pre-approved doesn't mean you're going to stay eligible to buy a house. What are the rules? Tell us about it. Yeah. So we, we call them the, the do's and don'ts of, of buying, or, and really it's just the don'ts. So uh, I'll give you the, the main ones here real quick. Uh, you do not want to apply for or open new credit. So when you're in the process of buying a home, if you add new debt to your credit report, uh, that is going to possibly cause you to not be able to qualify. This really used to come up when somebody would be under contract and they were about to close on their home and they would get a credit card from H.H. Gregg back in the day to get 10% off of furniture and appliances. And then we would, what happens with the lender is you repo credit before closing and you will see an inquiry and you'll see new debt. So don't apply for open new credit. You do not want to make cash deposits or transfer large amounts of money. Like we mentioned before, you, we've got to prove where the money is coming from. So if you make a cash deposit, we are going to see that and we're going to have questions and it could cause problems. Uh, same thing with transfers. We've got to show the accounts where it starts and where it's coming from. You do not want to change your job or quit your job or the way that you get paid. So we want to see that your income and employment is staying consistent. This question comes up a lot, especially at pre-approval. Uh, can I, if I'm interviewing or if I'm, I'm thinking about getting a raise or promotion? Uh, and the answer is always, it just depends on exactly what is happening. And again, we want to get that, all that information up front to let you know if, should you wait until after you buy a home to maybe look for a new job, or can you go ahead and do that now before closing? The last one I'll mention is make sure that your lender knows if you own other real estate. So if you've owned a property or you own land or you inherited something, we need to know that because it will come up in the process that you own property. Uh, and if you have ta taxes have to be counted against you in your debt to income ratio. Uh, but if you have insurance on it or anything like that, that also counts. I've had it pop up in the past many, many years ago where somebody didn't disclose that they owned a condo uh, in Florida and they didn't think it was a big deal because it didn't have a mortgage on it, but they had taxes, which were pretty expensive. They had insurance, which is very expensive. And then they had an HOA that was like $750 a month. So when you add all those together, that's a lot of debt for a property that they weren't renting and that they didn't have a mortgage on, but it was still costing them, you know, two or $3,000 a month going out. So you just want to make sure that you disclose all of those things on the front end so that the lender can get the most clear idea of, of your finances right up front. Yeah. And the nice thing is people can rewind and take notes on this stuff if, if they need to refresh. Um, so thanks for going through that. But I think like for me, if I were, you know, first time home buyer and I was at one point having somebody like you, Clint, to walk me through these steps is so crucial because I think 
when somebody doesn't understand something, it could seem so daunting and so scary. And that is why we started this podcast and people know, you know, that's why we started our classes as well. And the more you understand, the more I really think you're able to get your hands on it and, and, you know, start the car and drive it and really get to where you want to get to in your life once you've got kind of a greater understanding. So we're going to wrap up this episode with the question that I ask all of our guests, which is what is one piece of advice that you want to give to our listener? And it doesn't even have to be real estate related, but one, one solid piece of advice from Clint Haynes. Okay. I will make it real estate related because that's just the first thing that popped in my head. I think the best advice is don't wait to make a great decision. I, I don't think I've ever talked to a client that bought a home and, and said, I just wish I would have waited a couple of years to do that. We regularly talk to people that bought and said, ah, this is like, I'm so glad I bought. I just wish I would have bought two years ago when prices were lower or when rates were lower or filling in the blank. Never when you make a great decision, do, do people say, I just wish I wouldn't have made that great decision so soon. I wish I would have waited longer. And this is what we've seen, especially in Nashville, Middle Tennessee, prices have just gone up and up and up. And I have a fear that people will, that don't buy in 2023 uh, and buy in 2025 will be saying, oh, if I could have just bought two years ago and, you know, uh, you know, the market wasn't so fill in the blank, right? Or when prices were a little lower or whatever. So buying a home is a great decision. So act on it quickly. If you find the right house and you qualify, you should buy it. Uh, because more than likely, two or three years from now, you're going to be thinking, oh, wow, that was such a great, I just wish I would have done it in 2020 or 2021. Uh, so act on it quickly. Love it. So good. I completely agree. Clint, you're the best. Thank you for all this great info. And um, again, if you're in Tennessee, if you're in any other state besides Hawaii, what was the other one? New York. New York for sure. New York's a hard state. <laughs> you can use Clint and I will put his info in the podcast details. So definitely reach out to Clint. Thank you so much. And let me just say, I've worked for with Jessica and I think we've worked together for six or seven years and it is a pleasure working with you. I absolutely love working with you uh, and your clients. Uh, my, my team loves you. Your clients love you. And uh, it's just so awesome working with a realtor who not only is a pro and takes it super serious and has their clients best interest in mind, but also uh, just knows the Nashville market as well as you do. I feel like nobody knows Nashville and East Nashville and, and the market, not just what's happening, but what's about to happen. Jessica is an absolute pro when it comes to what are the developments that are coming down the road. And that's such an important thing when it comes to getting a good deal is knowing what's coming next, uh, because those are the areas that are going to change and meaning you can get a good deal now. Uh, and it'll be a great deal in the future when some of those, uh, those changes do actually happen. So anyway, I just want to say that because I feel like you're the absolute best at that. Oh, thanks Clint. I appreciate that so much. Um, well, thank you for listening and, um, have a wonderful rest of your day, Clint. Thank you. You too. I'll see you later. See ya. Stay tuned for more episodes from the How to Buy a House class. You can follow us on Instagram. We're at the How to Buy a House class. You can also email us. Yes, we still use email and we would love to connect to you that way as well. You can reach us directly at hello at howtobuyahouseclass.com. And I also would love to connect with you. My Instagram handle is at Jess Lou Randolph. And we hope you have a fabulous day. Thanks for listening and God bless you.